0: Welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media, a New Jersey SEO marketing and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. Check out their information in our show notes. Today's podcast is a message from 1 Peter that John has been teaching on Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods at Freedom Ranch. He emphasizes in this message the milk of the word versus the meat of the word. Without further delay, here's John. I
1: want to get back to our study here in 1 Peter. You know, I have to confess to y'all that this is a little more difficult for me. And I don't know why exactly. I have a suspicion why studying this letter that Peter wrote is a little difficult for me because I have for so many years studied Paul's letters in the New Testament. And Paul's real predictable, you know. He starts out with a greeting. And then he tells you everything that God has done for you in Christ, you couldn't do for yourself. And then about halfway through, he kind of turns the corner. And he begins to tell you what God wants to do through you for other people. to Be able to love them like Christ. So he's pretty predictable, whether you read Galatians, whether you read Philippians, Ephesians, any of those are pretty predictable. Peter on the other end is not, he is more spontaneous. And almost in my mind, he jumps around from topic to topic. So it's it's been a little more difficult, a little more challenging, I would say, for me to study this letter and to bring you something that's intelligible every Sunday. But today i realized something about Peter that made me appreciate the way he's writing. And what I realized, and we have a detailed history of him, remember in the gospel accounts he was following Jesus, it was always Peter who was mentioned first in any list of the apostles. It was Peter who responded first to Jesus. It was Peter who voiced what everybody else was thinking. So in that sense, he was very spontaneous. Now, of course, in the early days, his mouth got him in trouble. Okay, every time he opened his mouth, he was putting his foot into it. But as he grew and developed, as he matured in the Lord... You see some of the most outstanding sermons recorded for us in the book of Acts that Peter did. Peter took off. And so this letter that we're studying here is is really a letter to us from this spontaneous character known as Simon was his original name. But remember, Jesus changed it to Peter, a rock, Petros. I noticed when I was looking at this that he calls us believers by different terms and gives us different descriptions here. I counted probably at least eight in the first chapter of his letter. Did you know? Eight different terms for you, for believers. Each one now in my My way of thinking, each one would merit a careful study of what he means by that, but we don't have time to do that. That'll be another study at a different time. First of all, he calls you strangers, exiles. Now, admittedly, he was writing this letter in the first century to those Jews who'd been exiled out of Jerusalem because of the persecution were scattered abroad, which is referred to as the Great Diaspora. But really, we're all strangers, aren't we? See, this is not your home here. You are just passing through, okay? This is not where you belong. This is not where you live. Your citizenship is in heaven, not on earth. You are are not a body with a spirit you are a spirit with a body that's temporary and will be replaced one day by a glorified body fashioned just like jesus resurrection body so in a sense we're all strangers in a sense we're all exiles because god has left us here for a purpose but he goes on to to also call us the elect. Another word for the elect is the chosen. You are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Yeah, He chose you, He selected you. You're also called those who have been born, begotten again unto a living hope. Then he goes on to tell us that you are kept, held on to, by the power of God himself. You guys beginning to see a pattern here in what he's telling us? Just by the descriptive terms he uses for believers in this very first chapter, He's setting a a pattern here for us to think of ourselves by. In fact, later in the chapter, he says you're obedient children. Children of God. Do you ever think of yourself as being obedient, by the way? Hmm. It's hard for me to think of myself as being obedient. But he says you're obedient as the children of God. Because you are holy. Because your God is holy. Not only that, he says you're redeemed from an empty lifestyle you lived before. You're redeemed from that by the blood of Jesus Christ as a lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Because you're being born again. You've been born again with an incorruptible seed. You're a completely different person than what we normally think of each other as or ourselves as. And it's amazing the the different And that's not all. Now, he's going to go on in this letter to describe us in other terms, Okay, which is good. But just let that sink in for a minute, the variety of what God has done for you that you didn't even know about, much less do for yourself. But Peter knows, because the Spirit has revealed it to him. And so everything he shares in this letter is about us because we, as the children of God, are the believers that Peter is talking about. Now, because of all that, this mysterious salvation that was revealed, because of all that, he begins chapter 2 with these words, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now that little wherefore at the beginning of the The verse, verse one here, kind of connects everything he's told us so far with what he's about to tell us. He says, because of who you are, because of who God has made you to be in Christ, lay aside or be done with all the malice and wickedness of this world. Be done with the deceit, the guile in this world. Be done with all the evil speakings in this world. Be done with all the jealousies. Well, how are we going to do that? See, the Bible doesn't just give us a list of negative commands. This new lifestyle we have in grace and truth, it's a positive lifestyle. And what I mean by that is not a matter of what you quit doing. It's a matter of what you start doing. So every time it says lay aside or put aside or quit doing something, it'll give you the alternative. Kind of like Paul did in Ephesians, you know, when he told us to quit lying. He said, quit lying. Well, how am I going to quit lying? In my own strength, I'd run down to Walmart, buy some duct tape, put it over my mouth and not say anything. No, he tells you how to quit lying. Speak the truth with everyone. The only way you quit lying is to speak truth. Then he goes on to say, quit stealing. Quit ripping people off. Now, I know we all weasel around and we say, well, I'm not really ripping people off here. Now, how are you going to keep from ripping people off? From stealing? You're gonna work with your own hands that which is good, so that you have to give to people. If you're not giving to them, you're ripping them off. I like this one he says, Be angry and sin not. How many of you get angry real quick? I got a real short fuse. I get angry. I am so thankful that Paul wrote this verse. Be angry and sin not. So being angry isn't a sin. But if I let the sun go down upon my anger and my wrath, I'm going to wake up hating the person I was angry at. And that hatred is a sin because it kills me. So how am I going to quit doing that? I am going to seek forgiveness for my own hatred and to be able to give it to others who made be mad. now this next one and the final one I'm going to give you has been misinterpreted it's it's what I I call the command in the scripture to quit cussing because the only cuss word the scripture recognizes is this command he says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The corrupt communication doesn't mean that you're speaking four-letter words or slang. The corrupt communication means the words that are coming out of your mouth are tearing down other people, talking trash about people. That's what he's talking about don't talk trash about people why well, are you going to do that you're going to speak in love the grace they need to build them up instead of tearing down people with your words you build them up with your words so everything's positive in this new life we have in Christian in Christ everything's positive it's not a negative thing it's not a matter of just Quit doing certain things. So when he says lay aside all malice, wickedness, evil speakings, all that kind of stuff. We don't need to get into all that because that's not going to help us to try to define what that is. What we need to get into is his answer in the very next verse. How are we going to lay all this stuff aside? We are going to earnestly desire. To really want. The sin, what he calls here the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. Now, obviously, Peter's using an analogy here with little babies. That's why he uses the term milk here. Remember, your newborn babes. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. But the fact that he uses milk, here in this analogy, also brings up the question, well, what's the meat of the word? If that's the milk, what's the meat? And we'll get into that here in a moment. But for right now, I want you to understand that the answer to a negative, destructive lifestyle is to desire the sincere milk of the word. I may be getting a little ahead of myself here, but the milk of the Word is simply this. It is everything that God says, either directly to you through His Spirit, or in this written Word that's preserved for you, everything that God says He has done for you that you couldn't do for yourself. And by the way, That's a bunch. Desire that. Earnestly want that sincere milk of the word. I looked up the word sincere, and it might be better translated, desire the logical milk of the word. Actually, the word is translated mental in the original Greek. It means the logical. This is the only logical thing for you to do. Desire the sincere milk of the Word. Just like the little baby. When he's born, that newborn baby has a hunger. He has a thirst. He has an earnest desire
0: for the milk.
1: Why? Because of the baby. Now, obviously, we don't feed little babies meat. Because they choke on it. Little suckers don't have any teeth. Right? So they can't chew up meat. Meat is reserved for those who are mature, for those who have grown up. And The Bible does quite a, uh, talks quite a bit about the difference between the milk and the meat. Paul, for instance, in writing his first letter to the church of Corinth, said in chapter 3, I couldn't speak to you folks as spiritual. I had to speak to you as babes. Needing the milk. I couldn't give you any meat because you couldn't take it. Why? Because you haven't grown up as babes yet. You're still babies. Now, unfortunately, babies who do not get the milk of the Word fail to thrive. Oh, they may still be living, but they're not thriving. Same thing happens spiritually with believers who don't get the milk of the Word. Who don't understand what God has said is true about them. Who don't understand what God has done, is now doing, and will do for them. They don't understand that. They don't have the milk. The only vision that I remember God ever given me, happened years ago. And what he showed me in that vision was this huge auditorium. And when I walked in to this huge auditorium, I saw little infants, little babies wrapped up. Some of them had dirty diapers. Some of them are naked. Some of them wrapped up in a blanket. But hundreds of them covering the entire floor of that auditorium. And I saw standing in the middle of those little babies who I recognized to be Jesus with his arms spread out, tears running down his cheeks. And he asked me one question. He said, who will feed My babies. What do those babies need? They need the milk of the Word to grow, to thrive, to survive. They need the milk of the Word. And again, I'll remind you that the milk of the Word is everything God has done for you, you couldn't do for yourself. And man, the Bible's filled with this. The milk of the Word is exciting. It's thrilling. Especially when the one who wrote it, the Spirit, makes it come alive to you. That milk of the Word is fantastic. And we all need it. Even those who are eating meat now, they need to wash that meat down a little bit with milk every now and then. We need the milk. So what's the meat? Well, the meat is what God is going to do through you to love others like Christ. And you can't get to that meat till you grow up. Now, the Corinthians had trouble with that because they weren't growing up. Paul said, I couldn't speak to you as grown-ups here. I couldn't give you the meat of the Word because you're not able to bear it. I had to feed you the milk again. A babe who doesn't get the milk yet remains alive turns into a brat. Did you know that? Hmm? I'm talking about Christians now. I'm talking about believers who don't know who they are. They don't know who their heavenly father is. They haven't a clue of what he's done for them. They couldn't do for themselves. They can't appreciate his grace at all. You know what they turn into? Brats. Everybody like being around brats? Hmm? Oh no. We don't like brats, do we? Why? Because they're still self-centered. They're still jealous. They're still argumentative. They're still in conflict with themselves and therefore in conflict with everybody around them. They're brats. That vision that Jesus gave me concerned the infants. I'm glad he didn't give me a vision of brats. little babies are easier to take care of than brats. Did you know that? Yeah, they are. And there's a whole dialogue we could go with there, but I'm going to come back to our our text here. Peter's earnestly encouraging us to desire that sincere milk of the Word so that we can grow up. Now, that sincere milk of the Word, as I've already said, are things such as what God reveals to us. I like Paul's letters to describe it in Ephesians. I remember sharing the milk of the word with a friend of mine who was having a psychotic episode. And miraculously, actually surprised me probably as much as it did him, God healed him, turned him around in his thinking. What was that milk? Well, let me just read it to you. Let me just give you a little dose of milk, all right? Just a little taste. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Here's a little taste of milk for you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the blood in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I can't tell you how long you could drink on that milk, but there's a lot of milk there. And it's all what God has done for you. You couldn't do for yourself. Now, a lot of times when I read such passages, people kind of look at me like, what does that mean? And I understand that it takes effort on your part to understand what God is speaking to you in the milk of the word. It's been a source of frustration for me for years because what I've been sharing with people is the milk of the word, mainly. Somebody said, well, the milk of the word is just, you know, it's simple stuff now. Let me give you another example of milk of the word. The Apostle Paul gives us a real dose of the milk of the word in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in grace or shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin continue to live any longer therein don't you know that so many of us as were joined to Christ illustrated by baptism were joined to him in his death so that we could be joined to him in his resurrection that the body of sin might be destroyed. all that's milk folks. Yet when I read that to people or they read it, they go, what in the world is he talking about? Now admittedly, when you're feeding little babies the milk, sometimes they choke. Right? They get it in the wrong pipe and they choke a little bit. And I've watched people year after year choke on Romans 6. And it's milk. It's the milk of the Word. It's who God Made you to be. Such statements as verse 11. You are dead to sin and alive unto God. Do you really believe that? Verse 14, he said, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law. You are under grace. The sovereign working of God in you to conform you to the image of his son by his spirit. Milk, milk of the word. Peter says, desire that milk. And yes, my purpose today is to give you a little taste. So you kind of get the taste of it. So you'll want it. If you don't want it, There's going to be a whole bunch of other things to give your attention to besides the milk of the Word. Did you know that? Yeah. Your whole life. All the issues and activities of your life. All the ins and outs. All the problems. All that can be so consuming that you don't even think about the milk of the Word, much less desire it. But I want to tell you, the milk of the word is what answers all that. The milk of the word is where your life is. Paul put it this way in talking to the Galatians. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Milk. Take a drink of that. Milk. What God has done for you, you couldn't possibly do for yourself. Milk. He gave you the righteousness of Christ. And so there's a lot of milk in the Word. But it's not just the written word. Yes, it's true. This Bible is a miraculous book written by 40 different authors. 66 books or letters written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,600 years. There's no way it could make any sense much less have any continuity, unless it was God-breathed, inspired by the Spirit. And yes, it was inspired by the Spirit. God breathed out His Word, and the Spirit used various authors to write it down. And the Spirit preserved it for us. So we can have not only the milk, but also the meat. We're going to start first with the milk. But there's more. When the Scripture says all Scripture is inspired by God, inspiration involves a breathing out, an exhale, and a breathing in, an inhale. That's inspiration. Yeah, God breathed it out on these pages that He preserved for you. And when you open a book and you begin to search out the milk of the Word, you begin to see what God has done for you, you couldn't do for yourself. His Spirit, the same Spirit that breathed out this written Word, breathes in that Word into your heart, into your mind. He makes it come alive, makes it real, convinces you of its truth so what peter is calling us to here when he says desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby is developmental yeah we we're going to grow from just like a little baby grows okay they go through that little infancy stage and to the childhood stage adolescence teenagers and they grow up through various stages yes we're going to grow up through various stages Your spiritual growth is a developmental process. And it starts with the milk of the word. It starts with knowing, believing, and being convinced of who God made you to be as his child. And what he's given you. So that you can be thankful. You see, that's the milk of the word. And that's a glorious thing to finally realize what God actually thinks about you. A lot of counseling I do. People have problems with their own self-image. and I often ask them, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being absolutely worthless, scum of the earth, no good, and 10 being absolutely righteous and perfect, how do you rate yourself on that scale? A lot of people will say, I don't don't know. I I suppose I might be a three. And on a good day, I might be a five. Now, some religious folks, you know, they they break religious and say, Well, I do a lot of good work, so I must be an eight. The truth is, God has made you a ten. You are perfect in Christ. He has sanctified you, set you apart for his use. He has made you a holy creation. You are a new creation created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he before ordained. That's the truth about you. Everything else in this world is a lie about you. Straight from the pits of hell. Your choice whether you're going to believe it or not. That's all. But you have a little problem believing the truth of the milk of the Word if you've never heard it. If you don't know it. So Peter says, desire that sincere milk of the Word. And I'll close with this. Paul, in encouraging his co-worker, his assistant, if you will, in the ministry, Timothy, he told Timothy this. This is the reason you ought to study the Bible. He said, study to show yourself approved of God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. Now, religious people, want to beat you up for not going to a Bible study. They always use this verse, see? If you study the Bible, God will approve of you. But that's not at all what it's saying. It's telling you why you study. Study to show yourself, to convince yourself the truth of who you are. Approved of God. God approves of you just like he did his son Jesus. So you can say in all certainty because of your faith in Christ that you are God's beloved child in whom he is well pleased. That's who you are. Now study to show yourself that. You're approved of God. That's milk. right? But look at the second half of that verse. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. God has a job for you to do. He has work for you to do in your life, being Christ to other people, showing His love to other people. So you study not only the milk, but you also study the meat, where you become a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. But all of it is for encouragement. I know there are times when in my own life when I, I thought, you know, especially when I was going to school, I probably, probably ought to read the Bible. You know, one of those times where you think, oh, I'm going to Bible school, I'm going to all this, that, you know, I know all this. But then it finally dawned on me, I don't think I ever read the Bible all the way through read bits and pieces out of it, you know, but I don't think I ever read it. And so immediately I got on a Bible reading schedule. The Bible reading schedule is you read so many chapters a day. And it's got a little box next to it. So when you read those chapters, you can check off the box. I started in January, and I didn't get to February. Before, I was reading so I could check off the box, not so I learned something, not so I received the censored bulk of the word. So I'm cautiously optimistic that when you study, you will start studying the milk of the word. If you have trouble with the milk of the word, knowing what that is, come and talk to me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you where to start. I think every believer ought to start first of all in Romans chapter 6 and figure out what that means. However, God will direct you. His spirit will guide you. His spirit will lead you into all truth. That's why he's living inside of you, to do that very thing. So all Peter is doing is encouraging us to study what we've already tasted. What have you already tasted? The grace and goodness of God. You've already tasted it. It's a good thing. Now study it that you might be able to grow up. Let's pray. Father God, as we're coming to presence right now, I thank you. I thank you for the word that you've given us in the written form, as well as in the spoken word into our hearts. I thank you, Father, for the fact that you're willing to speak to us. You're willing to tell us who you've made us to be. You're willing to show us the marvelous riches of your grace. And we ask, Father, that you continue to do that now as we go our separate ways. I ask you to bless each one here today. Give them a good week in you, Lord. these things we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. And by the way, happy Thanksgiving.
0: Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes.